0: Everybody, and welcome to the sunny 16 podcast the podcast about film photography and other types of photography and just other ramblings in general i'm aid and this week i have mostly been carrying a nikon fe2 1980s slr uh, with a 50 mil 1.8 lens on it i've learned a couple of things one is that good cameras are slightly heavier than holgers and the other is it takes in ages to get through a roll of 36 shots as you might expect by now because this is episode seven uh, my co-host graham is here i'm hoping he's recovered from having
1: dave as our guest in the last episode graham how are you i'm good um, a little bit lonely it feels so quiet and so relatively sane here to speak <laughs> without dave i, I want to actually very quickly say a big thanks to dave for coming on um he was He was a little bit wide, wasn't he? (laughs) He was awesome. Awesome, Dave. Thank you very much. He was awesome. And he managed to delicately tread the lines between terror and drunk to still be a fantastic (laughs) person to have on. That said, I want to in public say... Uh, hats off to you on the editing job that you did because (laughs) you you managed to get rid of some of the chaos that was last week's recording Um, so well done mate, you did a bang up job on that one made us all sound good which is quite an achievement
0: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you um uh, and uh, for anybody else that would like to uh, guest on our podcast and then the following week been thrown under a bus please just let us know
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dave was, and I, I am sincerely hoping that uh dave will be back with us in the future um i, I know that he has he's got himself we're going to talk a bit later about the, the cheap challenge um but I know that he's got himself organised with a camera so I'm hoping that when we come to the end of this month's project we maybe can get him back on again to uh, go through that again It'll be... I'm already excited about it <laughs> yeah,
0: me too yeah, so some stuff later on in the podcast about the cheap shot challenge including if I may put a teaser right up front the first ever Sunny 16 podcast unboxing it's going to make excellent radio so you know, <laughs> buckle up <laughs> Anyway, we're first off. First off. First off. Even <laughs> off. Where did that come from? You're getting very pocketed. Well, you know me. Anyway, first off, uh, an, uh, a new, um, possibly occasional segment called "Cameras I Found in the Back of My Cupboard of the Week."
1: <laughs> Rolls off the tongue nicely, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't steal this off another podcast because it sounds like the kind of thing that's probably in wide circulation already. But uh...
0: I, I may have done, but not intentionally. Actually, you know, you know, you, who knows where the inspiration comes from? Yeah, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Maybe it's something I have inadvertently plagiarised. If so, and the original owner of that is listening, I apologise deeply and profoundly.
1: No, I, I, you know, what, I suspect, I suspect the inspiration probably came from finding a camera at the back of one of your cupboards.
0: Yeah. Well, do you know what? Kinda, but actually it's a slight misnomer because it wasn't really a camera that I found at the back of my cupboard, it was some bits for a camera. So what I want to talk about actually is that for my Holgers, I found at the back of my cupboard a telephoto converter lens and a wide angle converter lens. uh, As with the Holger tradition, made out of purest plastic, uh, some of it black, uh, some of it see-through almost see-through. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so what I'd like to do is just have a chat about it, and actually uh, I've posted a few photos on our Sunny 16 podcast Flickr group. So stepping back in time a little bit, and Graham, can you make the noise like you do with the the news
1: thing? <sighs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diddly-doo, diddly-doo, diddly-do, diddly-doo, diddly-doo.
0: <laughs> yeah, excellent, thank you. Who needs special effects when you got graham
1: so stepping
0: back in time a little bit a few years back before i really got into film photography but when i was trying to look for more expressive things in digital photography i bought a holger lens for digital cameras they do one in the nikon f mount which is what i bought and to be honest i was completely underwhelmed but i think what i bought was a whole kit and The other day in the back of my cupboard, I discovered a Holger telephoto and a Holger wide angle. So I threw a roll of Tri-X into one of my Holgers and went for a walk taking both these lenses. And what I did was a few tests. So I took a shot or lined up a shot and then took it with the normal Holger and then I took one with the telephoto, and then I took one with the wide angle. And the photos I'm going to talk about are photos taken from the south bank of the River Thames in London, looking out across the city, so you can see the walkie-talkie building, uh, otherwise known as 20 Fenchurch Street, the cheese grater building, otherwise known as the Leadenhall building, and a couple of the other older ones as well. Looking at it... I was quite impressed and really liked the wide-angle lens and what that did less impressed with the telephoto lens so I know what to expect from a Holger I love the Holgers as you know and you know they really work for me and I find them great to play with the wide-angle lens, uh, which, just by the way, sort of is a press fit that just goes on the front. Uh, it's, it's not very scientific. It's just a, a little plastic circle that presses onto the Holger lens and, and makes it. You know, has a another plastic lens in it that, that makes it wide-angle. Uh, it doesn't seem to cover the full square of the negative, though.
1: <laughs> that that is something of an understatement, I would say. Doesn't, yeah, definitely doesn't cover the whole square. Uh, there's quite a significant circle of um uh, lost um space around the edge where it's creeping in it's and it's like vignetting it's this is black isn't it it's it is, uh,
0: yeah it's sorry. it's stopping light from reaching the film and uh that's you know, a feature. Although not all of them are like that. <laughs> a feature. I think. Well, the thing is, maybe this is me. I mean, there could be some user error here. I mean, you know, uh, for those that know the Holgers, the uh, the the lens is is ribbed, uh, and it's where you twist it for the zone focusing. For your pleasure. Uh, and uh, well, ribbed for yes, and for your focusing as well. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the these extra lenses just press fit onto that. And it could be simply that I didn't push them on far enough because there's at least one wide angle photo I took which actually doesn't display anywhere near that amount of vignetting. That's weird. Having said that, uh I quite like the effect though. Do you? I, I think it you know the, the Holger is a 60mm lens, which is roughly equivalent because it's a six by six, it's roughly a crop of uh a half. Is that right? Because if your micro four thirds is a crop of two and an APS-C is a crop of 1.5, generally speaking, then a Holger, because the negative is bigger than, than your traditional 35mm, has a. It's 60mm across, isn't it, the negative? Whereas a 35mm, the, the negative is 36mm across. So it's not quite twice as big. It's about 1.8 or something like that, times as big.
1: But the. <laughs> I, I, you lost me somewhere around the second batch of figures there, but I'm going to go yes yes i agree with everything <laughs> you're saying
0: trust me i know what i'm talking about anyway it creates kind a, of a long story short it creates a wide angle view it creates a wide angle view that's quite like a super wide in some ways that you might see of others because where it's not vignetted in the corners around the edges actually there's quite a lot of Distortion in the lens, and you know the the straights are not straight; they're quite curved. They curve in. It's not pincushion, is it? What's the other type? I can never remember what the other barrel type. distortion. Barrel distortion. Thank you very much. Quite a lot of barrel distortion, but generally a pleasing effect, and I quite enjoyed it. The telephoto lens, though,
1: mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. it just looks as though someone's put a circular crop on the, the ordinary. <laughs> It's yeah, it does. barely it? It... any closer, but most of the image has been cropped out, so the one bit that is fractionally closer is the only bit you can see.
0: It's, it, it, to be fair, it's magnetised, it, it magnified even. Uh, and it says on the thing, on the lens itself, that it's a 2.5 times magnification. The wide angle, by the way, is, is a 0.5 times magnification. And as I look at them, yeah, it's it's magnified, but my nice six by six negative really only has a circle that's been exposed that is maybe forty five mm across, yeah, if that. At best, yeah.
1: It's the, the the wide angle, or at least whether it's a user from the complicated business of pushing on this lens or not. But it's the wide angle, <laughs> the wide angle loses a chunk to that circle, but the telephoto yeah, I, that's pretty bad. You're losing so much of the real estate on the image to that. Uh, I wasn't too impressed with that one. You just you just look and think, well, I may as well have just cropped the original image without this lens on it. And because, it, all right, you're getting a slight magnification, but you know you're getting a decrease in the quality of the image because you've got another piece of garbage plastic in front of the um Glass lens of your Holger, so or if you've got a ch- Holger, the plastic lens of your plastic Holger, so um yeah, it didn't seem particularly worthwhile that one.
0: I agree. On a scale of one to good, I'd give it about minus three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would take the I would take the wide angle one out again. The yeah, I can see. I mean, yeah, let's get this straight. I'm not trying trying to create a Holger. Kit system <laughs> <You know? laughs> that kind of defeats the point of having a Holger in the first place. And I love that you were just talking about reducing the quality of a Holger image,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Set it on fire, yeah.
0: So, having said that, I think I, I would definitely give the wide angle lens another go. Uh, I wouldn't give the telephoto lens another go, I don't think. Uh, everything you just said is entirely right. Uh, you know, you could get. Better than that. Simply by cropping your six by six neg. Is that a review of sorts? Isn't
1: yeah. They? An informal
0: yeah. streetwise review. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, you or yeah. You just need to put, put the thing at the end saying um, the uh, Holger wide telephoto lenses. What was it three out of a hundred? Must try harder. <laughs> three out of a hundred. It's <laughs> a bit harsh. I'd say the
0: wide-angle lens probably a six out of ten for me. It's not going to improve the quality of your photography, but actually, it's interesting and it, it's worth it's worthy of bringing out every now and again. I'd say the telephoto lens is probably a bit of a white elephant and should be left in the back of the cupboard where I originally found it.
1: <laughs> See, this is a perfect segue because I'm going to combat combat your um. Suggestion that the wide angle for your whole group is worth bringing out every now and again. And I'm going to say, no, no, it isn't. Because if you want to go wide, you want to go with the Vivitar Ultra Wide and Slim for your <laughs> plastically wide angle goodness. Uh, as a camera, I've mentioned, the, I think, a couple of times over the last couple of weeks as I've slowly bodied my way through a roll of film. It does make me feel like a giggly
0: child every time you say it because it just sounds like a packet of cigarettes and it just makes me
1: laugh and it doesn't get old either. Say it again. It's a Vivitar ultra wide and slim. It's great. (laughs) What a name. What a name for such an unassuming camera. Uh, And it's such a dinky little thing that you can just shove it in your pocket and it can just always be there with you. I, I think I mentioned last week that I had about four cameras with rolls of... In, but I needed to finish up with the uh, Ag for Photo stuff in it. And it was my boy's sports day la- last Tuesday. So I just went with a bag of cameras sat down <laughs> by the front. And n- none of the cameras I had with me were any good for taking pictures of children doing sports. So I had the aforementioned Vivitar Ultra Wide and Slim. I had my... Uh, little point and shoot 35mm I had the Practica MTL uh, SLR camera with 135 and a portrait lens on it um, and an Olympus trip with some red scale film in it um, <laughs> so uh, it was absurd but I'd just, I was just like oh, I just want to finish some of this film so I took pictures with it anyway and finished up three rolls of film so I was there and so I've had the results of the uh, Ultra Wide and Slim. I got them back from the shop yesterday. I'm actually quite annoyed with myself because I we talked last week about the film developing and I talked about getting a colour developing kit, which I really want to do. But they're not the cheapest thing. And it's like, well, I can't really afford the outlay just yet. But then I took three rolls of film into boots and spent nearly £20 pounds on that. So i like, well, great. That's just <laughs> just blown all the money on should have just saved towards getting a colour film developing kit but that's always the problem with me, it's impatient anyway, the Vivitor Ultra Wide and Slim. Slim, uh, i actually pretty pleased with the results that um, surprisingly good quality images out of it it has some vignetting around the edges which is unsurprising, it's reasonably sharp in the middle for a plastic lens camera, uh, it's quite good and wide, maybe not quite as wide as I would want from a screen that claims to be ultra wide, quite wide the uh, downside with a nice small camera with a good wide lens is I have got more pictures of my fingers and thumbs in that film than I've had for quite some time <laughs> <laughs> ah, thumb, 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 thumb thumb um, but no, I, I was pleased with it it did a nice job and I can definitely see it being a camera that I use again, um, just because it's just so easy to use as well. Uh, it's like the panoramic camera; it's just you can just whip it in the pocket, take it out, and click, 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 wind, wind, wind. Um, and I think the image quality was actually slightly better. Than the panoramic camera was so that was quite nice. I've stuck a few pictures from that up on the. Flickr group and um, there's one on Instagram already and I'm sure I'll stick a couple more up on there um, it's looking good actually looking
0: good I, I like what you I like what you've done with it uh, there's a cracking photo of a post box which is uh, which is actually very sharp yeah uh, There's the sports day one um <laughs> Is yeah. I hope that's not your kid that's just about to faceplant. I mean, a, <laughs> no,
1: it's you not.
0: have captured the moment yet again. You you've proven that actually you're a fantastic sports photographer with entirely inappropriate cameras, just like you did with the Cosmic 35. Yeah. Because you've captured a kid, you know, three four inches off the ground, but entirely horizontal and just in the <laughs> middle of a faceplant, and horribly for the child, th- you know. Two feet before the end of the race.
1: <laughs> yeah, like... Just before the finish line. But he look, looks
0: like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, you know, and he's on the end of that rope and he's two inches above the floor and he's having <laughs> it's just like but without a cable.
1: Yeah. So. I think I've discovered my niche. I, I think I I'd make a great sports photographer, but only for the sport of sack racing. Yeah. Really...
0: <laughs> and only with inappropriate cameras.
1: Yeah, only with inappropriate
0: cameras. Not not for you, the six thousand dollar Canon one D X.
1: XYZ no, well it looks so heavy anyway it's just exhausting <laughs> if, if it doesn't fit in my pocket I'm not really interested um, Fair just enough. To very quickly talk about the other one that, um, I finished the roll up from the, uh, the Practica not really a lot to say about that uh, it was fine I, I. it's got an unusual um, layout slightly in that the shutter is on the front of the camera and I think if you actually got used to that, it would be quite a nice natural position. Uh, but when you're not using it that often, it just feels a little bit weird. I was using this 135mm um, Jupiter portrait lens, which is a nice lens. It's quite heavy. For some reason, with the lens on, it was I don't know what was going on but it seemed to be blocking part of the viewfinder so when I looked at the viewfinder the top part was being cropped in slightly didn't affect the photos at all um, just the viewfinder so I don't quite know what the reason for that was and the images that I got back from that because that was the one I thought oh I want to try using the Vivitar through like a, a nice lens Um the results were weren't great. I think I may have put one of the elements in that lens back in the wrong way around which might have led to part of the problem. Um they were okay but <laughs> didn't really blow my socks off. And it was also a reminder that that focal length just isn't a great focal length for me. I don't I, I suppose because I'm very rarely doing portrait pictures. Most of the time I'm just trying to grab shots here and there. 135 mm is not very useful it turns out for almost anything. So most roll of film is just random pictures of flowers when I went for a walk uh, down by a river. So it's a few pictures of wildflowers, none of which were that didn't come out that sharp. And and because the Agfa isn't a particularly punchy film either, um, it was just a bit of a wash really. So, but no, the camera was fine, and I stand by what I say of that. The practique as being a good cheap way to get an SLR. Um, yeah, but I'm quite glad to have cleared out a few of those cameras now. I'm quite glad to actually be able to go. I think I've got only one, two, three, four, only four cameras, five, only five cameras. <laughs> no, six. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's five. I think I've only got five cameras with filming at the moment. <laughs> no, it, oh, well. God damn it, it is six. I've just remembered another one. <laughs> only six cameras with filming, um, not included instant cameras which would add another three on set list so only nine cameras with filming at the moment well Um, good well
0: there you go there you go you know what you've got to do with those ones that you're finished though you've got to put them in your cupboard and gradually they'll make their way to the back and then at some point maybe episode 25 or 35 or 45 (laughs) they can feature in the occasional segment, cameras I found in the back of my cupboard of the week.
1: Ah, that sounds like a good, good idea. Yep, yeah, That sounds like a dream. So Throw back in the cupboard and one day there'll be like a time capsule.
0: <laughs> okay, well,
1: moving on. Moving uh, on.
0: I've got to say, a, a, a slightly sad uh, thing to talk about now. Um, you know, not in the uh, you know, UK political system in complete mayhem sort of sadness level, but actually... We're saying goodbye, or the UK is saying goodbye, to to a lab that I've been using for some while now and really, really like. So for a while, I've been sending a lot of my films to a place called UK Film Lab in Chesterfield, which I think might be a a husband and wife business, Uh, not entirely sure about that. Uh, But I received an email from them, I don't know, about two weeks ago or so, saying thank you very much for your custom over over time uh, we're actually moving to canada and we are going to reinvent ourselves as canada film lab <laughs> and we'll be in touch with you soon as to how you might be able to send us your films
1: yeah, uh, now, their optimism—if nothing
0: else—I—I I, I suspect they'll find it difficult to be cost-effective. Let's say, and this for me is a real shame because this is the lab that I've been sending things to, where I know I, you know I know I need a safe pair of hands, and I know I need decent development and decent clean scans coming back, and I'm sending stuff there. And the medium format stuff let it be at six by six or or six four five stuff comes back at about fifteen megapixels in a really nice scan. And the 35mm stuff they're good at as well and they're good at black and white and they're good at colour and all that sort of stuff. And they even have a service where you could set up your own profile for scanning where you could say to them, OK, so you've scanned a few films for me now and I like this picture and I like this picture and I like this picture and they'll they'll have a, a personal profile for you for how you like your scanning done not that that's anything i ever took advantage of but yeah this has been a yeah it's been a really good service and sadly uh, they're moving and they're closing down and so i've been not uh, not at a loss because i do have a list of other labs that i like but but uh you know it, it's a change and you know in some parts of my life i like change and in other parts of my life i'm not so sure about it <laughs>
1: They were a slightly um, strange setup, at least in my mind, a strange setup. Because was this the lab where uh, you were sending your film off to them and they were developing it, scanning it, then sending you a, a Dropbox, link, Dropbox link or whatever it was for you to get your images, but actually holding on to the negatives until they had so many to send back or something weird like that? Was well, that, that's that right? That?
0: Uh, yeah, that's exactly what they did uh, or, or do. Uh, the I don't think I've ever had any negatives back from them ever, actually. And uh, they're in the process now, of course, for all their customers of making sure that they do return the negatives. But the idea behind it is it's you post them your film and they, if you don't want prints back... Uh, I mean you can get them to send the negatives back, but you if you don't want the negatives back you know uh, with any urgency and you don't need prints, what you get is an email and that gives you it's we transfer actually they use rather than dropbox but it's the same thing you just go you follow the link in the email and download the photos and they keep your negs on file and you know they they had they had a rule or something where it says if uh, it's either every 12 months or when you get to an inch thick or something like that and they'll they'll, they'll post them inch all in one go.
1: of negatives. that's a lot of negatives
0: it, it, well, I've never managed to get them to need to post any back to me, so <laughs> I'm hoping they send them back before they go because they're going in the summer. But the, the yeah, you know, it, it's been a great service, and it's a real shame uh, that they're they're going. And you know, so I'm looking and thinking, well, well, actually, what do I do now? Because I actually have, because of this podcast, in some ways, but I'm actually shooting more film than I than I've ever shot before and you know for the first time ever really i have to consider the cost of of the development and the scanning of that film uh, which i guess calls back to the conversation we had last week about me actually you know getting off my ass and doing my own development and scanning but before i get into that in a major way i need to find a lab so i love ilford lab uh, you can find them at ilfordlab.com and they are the ilford that make the film and what is interesting and i don't think a lot of people know this is that the Ilford Lab will take any black and white or C41 film because they do make a C41 I can't remember what it's called now XP2, something like that it's the one in the orange box yeah. any, anyway, they, they, they do take C41 and you could send them a Kodak portrait and they'll process it and scan it and send it back to you they don't just do Ilford films so and they're really, really good <laughs>
1: You'd hope made, so. They have some experience in dealing with them.
0: Well, they 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 do, but yeah, they'll do. you, know, you can send them other people's films. I always feel a bit guilty when I send them a roll Tri-X, though. I have to say, <laughs> yeah, that Just is like, a bit insulting. It's a bit rude, isn't it? But but they do the Tri-X quite well. <laughs> Comes out a little bit too contrasty, actually, in some ways. The Tri-X, but yeah, hey. But if you if you ever want something that you really work with, you can print. You can, I mean, and I mean print in a darkroom sense, but also print maybe digitally or or something where you know you've got to get a good crisp scan. If you shoot delta and you send them a roll of delta to develop and scan, it comes back and it's so clear and so crisp. They really are amazing. I've got a couple of things, a couple of photos up on the wall uh, in my house uh, from a trip I did a couple of years back sort of city cityscape stuff and I shot Delta and I sent it to Ilford and it's just amazing um it really is but the Ilford lab is great uh, it's not the cheapest of the labs out there it's not what they'd call what you'd call a pro lab I and mean, they say that themselves they don't have the you know, the sort of the service level responsibility that a pro lab would take uh and so I suppose you'd say they're at
1: the high quality
0: end of the the non pro labs what what um,
1: defines a what defines a pro lab if ilford is not a pro lab what is a pro lab that's a really good question
0: i've not really explored it too much but my basic understanding is that a pro lab will take more commercial responsibility for the outcome of your film oh, you. <laughs> so you know they will some some of them will only accept things that are sent by recorded delivery for example but when they do it they will take some level of commercial responsibility for doing a good job uh, and they will do a good job and it will be a cut above the rest in terms of the quality of the developing and the scanning and things like that And uh, but they'll charge you for the privilege but what I tend to use is is labs that are you know, sort of towards the, the upper quality end I mean I've got some 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 great labs that I, I've used that are um, what you might say is a sort of medium thing so you send them a roll of 35mm you'll get scans back that are sort of 6 megapixels and they're good quality but they've clearly just been through a mini lab you know they haven't had any human intervention necessarily mm. and that allows them to make a to, to hit a better price point and a really good one of that uh, is under the url some that photos2u.co.uk photos number 2 u y o u.co.uk and and they're in wandsworth in london and uh, they're really good as well different kind of service from what Ilford provide but they're really good at what they do and it is more you know it it costs less um but the one i've been and tried this week was that I sent one of my 120 Holger rolls to AG Photo Lab. Now, I think you, you may know AG Photographic because they're a big retailer of darkroom chemicals and equipment uh, based somewhere in the middle and somewhere on the outskirts of Birmingham, I think. I and don't they, know if you've uh, ever heard uh, of
1: yeah. those at, them at all. Yeah, funnily enough, I was on their website just this last week um, looking at these colour development kits, and yeah, you're absolutely right, they're based just outside the center well a little way outside the center of birmingham here in the uk and yeah they are they have sort of two arms of their business they have the uh, retail side uh, selling all their chemicals and papers and stuff like that and then they have the film developing side which is slightly separate although i'm sure in reality if you go there it's probably all under the same roof but yeah, because no, I
0: think they're on an industrial estate, aren't they? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, and and I have to say, I've just had back this week uh, a roll of film from AG Photo Lab. I assume they don't call themselves AG. No, <laughs> oh, I bet they do. <laughs> is 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 AG the is AG the periodic table? Is it the chemical symbol for silver? Uh, oh, let's. Is
1: that, that, does that deserve <laughs> to a quick know. Google? In the, <laughs> Yeah, Google it quick because <laughs> it... that sounds like the kind of thing we definitely don't want to get wrong.
0: Uh, it is. Oh, There you go. There you go. Go me and my knowledge of chemistry.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> well done. That's about it, by the way. Right. So, so, so don't get excited. This is. <laughs> uh, but having so. Good news. So yeah, bad news. UK Film Lab are going away. Good news. Uh, AG Photographic are still doing uh, really good work, and I sent them a roll of Tri-X uh, that had been shot through a holger and I asked them for prints as well as scans. So I've got back a set of uh, five by five inch prints uh, and I love them with a the white border. I really like having a border on my prints, um, mm-hmm. you know, just personal taste. So I, I've got them sent out like that and they're fantastic. They've come back really nice. I know it's difficult to appreciate a print online uh, but I have uploaded uh, several, I think four of the photographs to our Sunny 16 podcast Flickr group. Uh, they are the ones that are sitting in the group in between my experiments with the Holger lenses and uh, your colour photos with the Vivitar. So there's a photo of a church yard. There's a photo of some uh, First World War soldiers in Waterloo Station. Um, Those which- trains
1: can run real late.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been there a while. <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure what it was about. I wonder if it, actually it was a um, it was a memorial for the Somme because we've just had the hundred years since the Battle of the Somme, haven't we? Yeah. So I wondered yeah. if it was something like that. They were being very, very silent as well. They were sort of sitting around like they were waiting, f- you know, for transport, um, but they weren't talking. It certainly wasn't a show. It was a very quiet, sobering thing. Anyway, there's a, there's a few photos on the on the Flickr group. Uh, but I'd like to say, you know, good experience from the AG Photo Lab, and you know, I can definitely see myself using them uh, going forward. Although I do now have a problem about what to do with my negatives because they'll insist on sending them back.
1: <laughs> okay, well, this this is the thing, Aid, and I, I I understand what you're saying, and you're you get very concerned about what labs to use, and uh, which is is a little bit odd to me because. All they're really doing is souping this stuff And as, as we talked about last week It's not really rocket science And when it comes to your scans In in the words of Bane I think what you need to do is Take control of your Negatives Because <laughs> It's it's uh, in, At some point in the future, not today I want to talk about post-processing Of, of our film images And what we do and what we don't do um, because it's always interesting to me, particularly when I see people on Instagram and what have you saying, uh, these no retouching, blah, blah, blah. And we see the same thing with digital shots as well. Oh, I don't do any post-processing or anything like that. But the reality is that a- anyone is sharing a film, sharing a picture on a digital implement, whether it's on, through Flickr or Instagram or whatever it may be, the, that picture has had choices made about its appearance. You may not have retouched it, but somebody has or some uh, computer program has done that for you. And so when you're getting your scanned images back, choices have been made about the way those images are going to look that haven't been made by you, which is fine. Yeah, It's not a problem at all. But you are giving up part of the creative process to somebody else to do uh, or some other implement to do. And having the negatives is one of the big advantages. You talk about what to do with the negatives. I mean, just from a purely practical point of view, I've actually got sat next to me here on my big comfy sofa. I've got a folder with all of my negatives in. I'm uh, actually getting to the point where this folder is getting full now. So it's just um, just a ring binder with pages and pages of negatives in. And they are all in uh, Kenro sheets Kenro's probably one of the biggest manufacturers of these things um so they're all sleeved away in nice, um, anti bad stuff sheets i can't remember what they're anti. <laughs> is it anti-static is the word you're groping for there? It, it might be anti-static it's i don't know anyway <laughs> to, to preserve them for a good long time and it keeps them all in order and it keeps them flat um i've been a This will not surprise you at all. I have not kept them ordered or labeled in any way, shape, or form. So I just have a big binder full of negatives. And if ever I want to find a particular set of negatives, I have to sort of dig through them all, hold them up to the light. Nope, not that one. Hold them up to the (laughs) light. But as far as storage goes, that's definitely the way to go. When I first started developing my stuff at home, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to put them in envelopes or something like that. Worst idea ever. So... These there's the Kenro slip-in sheets for both for medium format and for 35 millimeter are the way to go. The only problem I found with these, uh and it's I suppose it's slightly specific to doing developing at home if you're not if you don't think things through, is that the ones that are paper they're a bit like greaseproof paper, and there times in the past where I've had negatives hanging up to dry in the bathroom and then. Gone up the next day, and I don't want to move them around the house too much because the more you do that, the more dust they get on them. So I take oh no, I'll, I'll take the negative sheet up there into the bathroom and just cut them up and put them straight in. But if they get any water on them, they they just disintegrate and stick negatives, and I've actually ruined some negatives where they got a bit of water on one of the sheets that had negatives inside, and it just turned into this gluey paste instantly on it. So a nice. uh, little. Um, Little One of those rare Graham Messies things up tales that just seem to crop up every five minutes. Um, but that's how I store my negatives. But I really like having them. Um, and I scan in all my negatives. I don't get any of them pre-done. So if I take a roll of film to my local chemist boots to get them developed there, I always ask them to not cut the roll of negatives. Because I've had instances in the past where negatives will come back and they've just cut straight through the middle of them because it feels like they've just cut them to fit into their sheet holders under the assumption that no one's ever going to look at these. So now I particularly ask them not to cut it and that way I can cut them to the right length to fit in my film holders for when I scan them. And when I get negatives back that I have sent away also, I never bother getting them scanned because I I like the scans the way that I do them, and I like to be able to make those choices myself. And so, yeah, I think you the amount of stuff that you're doing, one, it will save you money, although that's the biggest thing, because scanning is a bit of a time-consuming thing. But And I don't
0: have the proper scanner to do it either, so I'll have to buy that.
1: <laughs> well, true, but they pays for themselves reasonably quickly. Well, maybe not reasonably quickly, but... Over a period of several years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you also start doing scanning for other people as well. Uh, but it's quite fun, and it's quite a slow process to do it. But it's part of the process. I've actually, because of getting these three rolls of film developed last week, I've scanned in two rolls. I've got another roll, say, waiting to be scanned in. Um, and yeah, there's, there's certain things about it. I I struggle with keeping negatives clean. Often um, I scan them in, and I have to spend like hours afterwards cleaning dust and. Hair marks off in Photoshop because they just get all these tiny little particles on them. So there's a few things that I found that make that easier. One of the best things was buying a, a real snazzy pair of white jazz hand gloves, um, <laughs> nice white cotton. Gloves that I didn't. I only bought those in the last year, and instantly thought, "Oh, why didn't I do this years ago?" Because now I'm not. Oh big really? Oh right. Okay. Horrible smudgy fingerprints over my images. The other thing I did recently is I bought some. 99% proof alcohol, not for drinking, obviously. And when I remember, I just get some clean cloths or corn thing, and just give a wipe down with that and it evaporates off really quickly and that's a really good job of cleaning them up. Oh, but yeah, okay. I, I, I do think that scanning the negatives in yourself will give you more options with what you want to do with stuff it, um, clear,
0: it it clearly would it clearly would and uh if only i wasn't so goddamn lazy yeah it, it would be a higher priority for me but you know I, I am lazy so i also have one of those files that you've got uh i and i have negatives in it and actually i tend to put a little paper note in to say what is on that particular set of negatives and i try to file them in chronological order, at least. But I also recognise that I haven't actually undertaken that exercise for a good couple of years, and so I'm going to have a whole pile of negatives I need to catch up on. One day, when I've done things like all the chores in the house forever <laughs> and all the chores in the garden forever, and I've shipped off my children for a good six-week trip to their grandparents, Yep maybe just maybe i'll get around to working on those but the, one of the reasons i like to have the scans back and one of the things i have thought about actually is just is is saving a bit of money by just having low res scans from the labs because my archiving isn't based around being able to find negatives quickly my archiving is called lightroom and, yeah, you know, if ever I wanted to dig out a negative, you know, I'd be able to find the photograph on Lightroom. And as long as my negatives are filed in rough chronological order, I'd be able to find it relatively quickly. But, you know, uh, I'm just a little bit lazy. And then on top of that, I'm actually quite a lot lazy.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's so bad. I think with black and white negs, it's less of an issue because the, the scans, they they've got the exposures right because they're good at what they're doing and it's black and white. So usually there's not that much difference and if they're doing decent quality scans. But it's with the colour shots, uh, I find it, it can be quite markedly different depending on what the setup is on the scanner. Um, so I, I, when I get my pictures done at Boots, I get prints because they just come with prints anyway. There's no developer-only service at Boots. And they... Their prints are always very saturated, very contrasty. And when I scan the images in, they look nothing like that. Um, and But I suspect if I got scans from Boots, they would come back looking like the images that I get the prints of. Because even in your centerpiece, what you're getting with the scans is you're getting like a, a JPEG, you're getting here's the cooked version of the image that you're taking, where um, your negatives yeah, are your raw over- files. overcooked
0: version. I tell you yeah. what, if you ever get if you ever if you ever start thinking that boots are a little bit light on their overcooking, uh, you wanna send it to the Limography lab. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> they go nuts. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all. you're listening to here dear listeners is Aid t- attempting to unbox uh his new camera that he oh. has just purchased oh. for wow. <laughs> the
0: cheap shot challenge no hang on <laughs> I this is this is seriously good what the the thing that i have just unwrapped the packing inside the case is the backing paper from 120 film <laughs> So where most people would use packing peanuts, I've just opened a box and it's got loads of backing paper in it. That's. It's got a Portra 160. It's got, oh, what else has it got? It's got a, a Fuji something or other. It's got another Portra 160. This is exciting stuff.
1: Well, you say that. Um... it's important to notice that I suspect that the backing paper in that box is probably the best thing that's going to come out of that box because this is a challenge that's between you and I to see who can do the best with this shot challenge and it's going to be me and whatever's in that box is going to be hot garbage and you're going to be embarrassed by it Um, so make the most of your 120 film backing because that's going to be as good as it gets I've never been
0: posted a box full of Film backing paper before that's very exciting, and also in there, just uh, whatever the result of this unboxing, a quick shout out to uh, filmsnotdead.com, uh, who sell secondhand cameras on the internet, primarily on eBay, I suspect, because uh, that's certainly where I got this from, right? Okay, so I've gotten through the 120 paper, I'm now facing some rather well-sealed bubble wrap. So, time to get the knife out again.
1: Okay. And whilst you're doing that, uh, just a quick recap for those people who wonder what the hell is going on. Last week on the podcast, we, uh, or I, set the challenge of... For 20 English pounds, we really need to look at how much that is in dollars. Aid, what do you reckon 20 pounds is in dollars? Uh, At the moment, it's about 50,000, but usually (laughs) it's about 30 dollars. Okay, so let's go with about 30 dollars to buy a camera and a roll of film to go in it to shoot. It's going to need to be a camera that can actually shoot within a variety of... uh, media, uh, but the particular one you drew out of a hat for this month is for street photography, but going forward from this, we're going to have other projects coming up and this camera's going to need to be able to stand up toward them so £20 for a camera and a roll of film Aid and I have both today in the post had our purchases turn up, it's very exciting I don't know what aide has got, I'm going to guess it's a real bag of crap, my camera no is amazing <laughs> and it's going to kick his ass. so Aid, have you managed to open the box yet? I have. I okay. have.
0: And I, I am now looking on the desk in front of me at a plastic presentation box. And in this presentation box are four things. There is a four camera. Hey,
1: th- okay, that's a good start. It is a good start.
0: Uh, there is a flash. Ooh. There is a, a, a metal clip, which I believe from my uh, extensive academic research for this challenge is to help you clip the camera into your shirt pocket significantly less
1: exciting carry on
0: (laughs) and there is also your
1: shirt pocket
0: no well bear with me bear with me and there is also a a wrist strap type thing now on the outside of the box it says Voigtlander
1: Okay, that's a good name. I'm liking the name Voigtlander. Well, you know, I have to admit
0: I'm you know, I'm partial to a brand occasionally, you know, and, and Voigtlander's a brand. I've always wanted a Voigtlander. I did think I'd probably get like a Besser R2A or something like that. You know, oh, on did the, you get
1: one did you get one of those for twenty quid? I,
0: no 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 I only paid five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, all right, let's be a little bit more serious here. What it says on this camera is Voigtlander. Vitoret, if I've got the pronunciation right, Vitoret one ten
1: el. Uh, uh, are you sure you're not still pulling the packing out of the box? I'm assuming that they've included that as packaging for your camera. Pull it out of the way and tell me what your camera is.
0: <laughs> that is very cheeky. <laughs> you
1: you bought. You bought a Voigtlander 110 camera.
0: I bought a Voigtlander 110
1: camera. It has. Actually, I don't feel like I can mock you about this because I I just feel a little bit sad for you.
0: (laughs) Okay, now you're playing up. Now now you're going a bit too theatrical. (laughs) So, I have bought a Voigtlander 110 camera um and Sadly, I I posted all my 110 film to use. So yeah, you to, did. <laughs> yeah, I've ordered some more, but I'm going to, have to wait to use this little gem until it arrives, uh, which will give me good time to play with it. So I have a 110 camera, which is really small. I mean, it's it's the candy bar type, uh, as many 110 cameras are, but it's it's a very small version of it. So you know, it's only just over an inch deep and less than an inch high, uh, and it is, yeah, you know, I know, maybe five inches long, so it's it's smaller than your your, your standard, you know, Kodak or Hanimex or Boots one ten candy bar type things. It's not actually that much bigger than uh, a one ten cartridge itself. Uh, it seems to have some level of zone focusing. Um, I'm not quite sure how I would work that, uh, but it does seem to have some zone, uh, some zone focusing. Uh, it has an optical viewfinder with some frame lines in it. If I hold it up to my eye and look at it, oh, yes.
1: Qu- quick frame quick lines. question. Would you say optical viewfinder as opposed to nasal viewfinder? I mean, <laughs> what other kind of viewfinder are there other than optical
0: viewfinder? Well, as opposed, all right, good point. Okay, well, you know, so, so clearly the... clearly. Uh, you're feeling threatened by my choice of camera for these cheap shots, and you're feeling the need to have a bit of a go. <laughs> I'm
1: feeling concerned. I, okay, I have some questions. I, I need to ask some questions. Far about. away. Okay, one. You so you get your twenty pound budget. You said that you spent what five pounds on this camera? No, that was a
0: that, that was an exaggeration for comic effect. Uh, the camera was ten pounds, I think, but with postage fifteen.
1: I find that more comical but um so you you're just going to get in I, I'm going to be a generous singer as you, I feel terribly sorry for you but you are just going to be able to get enough to get a roll of 110 film, then with this,
0: so I've got, I did calculate it before I bought it actually. And uh, because you can't buy 110 really in single film, so I've had to buy a pack of three. And it's on its way from Hong Kong or wherever it is, I found the cheapest uh source of Lomo Tiger 200 that I could. And you know, it'll it, it, if I take the price of one cartridge out of that pack of three and I take this film camera. Uh, sorry, film camera, the, the Voigtlander set and the postage that I bought, if you include all the postage, I think I've spent just over £21. Okay. So I have cheated, and I'm comfortable with that because you set a really low budget for this challenge. Okay.
1: All right, all right, okay. That... Next question. Why? Why? Why this camera? I mean, I, we have both spent, we, you know, we talked a week, We've both spent some time on eBay this week, and I think both of us have been a little bit taken aback by the sparsity of cameras on there. I think I oh this will be easy. There's a, there'll be easy to find something that will fit the bill and will be able to. And there's not much. You cannot get much for your money now. Camera prices have really just crept up and up and up. And twenty pounds is a really tight budget. But that said. It's not nothing. Why have you gone for a candy bar 110 film camera?
0: But what do you mean apart from because it said Voigtlander on it? <laughs> 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 that, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So you, so I was thinking ahead. So you said that we're going to have a range of...
1: This is the thing that gets me. You say you're thinking, because I'm thinking ahead, thinking, how on earth is this going to work for Anything goes right. right
0: okay so for so it has I thought it had a tele setting as well <laughs> but it may not have done uh I can't remember if that was another one I was looking at or not the other thing is that it has a hot shoe and you know my love for shooting with flashes uh, it comes with its own flash which is fantastic which makes the candy bar a good nine inches by my reckoning uh, <laughs> but it's Whole system, and I'm reasonably confident that should it work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bearing in mind this is an eBay purchase for fifteen pounds.
1: <laughs> mind if you bought it from you know the guys? Films not dead. Um, I would assume that it would be. They would have said it if it wasn't.
0: Yeah, and it so uh, it's going to be it's going to be usable in multi in multiple situations. So if portraiture comes up, I can do flash portraiture. It's got a uh, a. a it's got a flash. It's got a hot shoe. I might even be able to use off-camera flash with it. You keep uh,
1: mentioning the flash. Does it have anything? What? What? Um, what lens is it? Uh, what's the focus length of the lens? I don't
0: know. <laughs> what's that got to do with anything? Well, I mean,
1: let's say for example, do you think it'll be well suited to landscape photography as well as portrait photography? Because that seems like it might need two slightly different lengths for it. I don't know. Uh, well. Okay. Sports photography. What if we have to do action photography at any point in the future? How do you think it's going to handle that?
0: Well, that is all, that is another fine question. Well voiced. <laughs> uh, you know, may I? You know, what's your point? No, <laughs> uh, no, no, no point. No all point. Right. So moving on then. <laughs> the the the. <laughs> The Flash has a handy little chart on the back of it that gives you for different ASA ratings and DIN ratings uh, some level of aperture setting. Uh, so presumably when I get to grips with this thing, it has a, uh, a an aperture setting, um, which, which might be nice. Um, I, at the moment, I'm struggling to find any way of actually opening it or finding where the batteries go or anything. <laughs> but, you know... It, it there's a lot of pressure doing an unboxing live on the radio.
1: That's very true. That's very oh, true. Oh, a bit just fell off it. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: all right. It's only a cosmetic bit, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> what colour is it? is it? Is it black plastic? What are we thinking?
0: Yeah, it what? is, yeah. It, it, it's not very remarkable to look at, to be fair. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I am looking forward to figuring out um you know, how the hell I, I fulfil the requirements of this assignment with this with this camera. So that that's good. I, 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 I am. You know, and I am I am confident that I have made a sound strategic choice if it <laughs> works.
1: <laughs> I you know what? I I I was trying to think well where do what will I have gone with what will you thought of, you know, will you thought ahead? Well as as obviously you did think ahead. Never, never did it cross my mind that you would go with one of the worst <laughs> kinds of camera you can possibly get um i'm impressed and i look forward to seeing yeah um okay mr smug (laughs) but i do feel bad for you i do because like ivan drago i will crush you ah
0: Um, okay so yes so clearly not just smug competitive and smug which is a killer combination and makes you more lovable than ever what did you buy
1: okay so I, having been around the charity shops locally lately, I knew that there wasn't much going on around there. Um, so I have also been hanging around eBay and a, bit, a little bit bummed out by what was there. Because cause I've been thinking, well, you know, we've got these different things coming up. And it's important for me to crush you at every available opportunity to prove, <laughs> to, prove to myself and my mum how much better than you I am, <laughs> which is Really She'll not. be
0: so proud listening to this episode.
1: <laughs> Anybody who looks at our photos will see that's clearly not the case. But anyway, so I thought, well, an SLR seems like the right way to go because if you're on SLR, you can, you, know, you can change the lenses. You got, But that's just not really viable these days. Not the, oh, for 20 quid. I couldn't find one. I mean, the, the, the only brand that you would see with a lens cup that would even be close to that were some of the bog-standard... 90s Minolters with um, their cheap zoom lens on it and even they, most of them were going for more and th- unfortunately it's not the cameras, if you want to get a cheap camera body you can pick one up for forever or the live long day, it's getting the lens for it and so I was looking at it well none of these is really speaking to me and I, I don't really want to get a real cruddy lens And so I thought <laughs> I need inspiration on this and so I went with the most inspirational person for photography that there is, James Brown. Um, because James Brown, said, sort of, uh, in the words of James Brown, that's such an old joke, but it does make <laughs> me laugh. <laughs> but he also said, let's take it to the bridge. And I, that is what I've done. I've taken it to the bridge. Because if there's one kind of camera, that never gets really talked about. It's bridge cameras, and this is the moment for bridge cameras to shine. So I was hunting around. Like <laughs> you do not get to laugh. This you're gonna waste. You're gonna <laughs> bored by what I've got. Um, I was looking around, and the first one I came across was the Olympus. I think it's a V three hundred. Uh, which was interesting. I read a bit about it. That was an interesting one because that was actually the first bridge camera. Um, Olympus introduced the the concept of bridge cameras. This was, I think it was the late 80s. I can't remember. It's gone from there. But, it, you know, it won some prizes and stuff like that. When I looked, I went, ah, I'm not sure about that. And the one I've actually ended up buying is an Olympus IS-1 or IS-1000 bridge camera. Um, and it's great. It's. Hang on a second. I'm going to pilot it. It's just... Can you hear the... there? It's got a zoom lens, 35 to 135 millimetre. Hear that? It's yeah, um, it's
0: a sort of weedy motorised zoom noise. Yes, very how, impressive.
1: How dare you? <laughs> the thing is, one of the biggest advantages of this over an SLR. So if I bought an SLR within budget, it was going to be a beta with a, a the lowest quality lens that that manufacturer made. Whereas this has got a combat, it's something insane, like 16-element high-quality Olympus glass in it. It's not very fast. It's a 4.5 to 5.6 aperture, which is about the same as the cheap um, zoom lenses that you get for the uh, Lazar. but it's much better quality glass. It's got a really interesting flash thing. So the pop-up flash has got two separate little flashes for doing full flash and red eye flash, and and a, you're gonna love this. It also has a hot shoe, so you've got a hot shoe and two built in flashes. Uh, um, two
0: built in flashes,
1: yeah. It's, it's a weird, like, double decker situation going on with the flashes. Um, it has you can manual on it, so you can do proper manual photography with it you can even manually focus with it it has auto focus but it has proper manual focus as well not by twisting and turning the lens you press a button and do it like that um it's got uh continuous mode i think it's about one a second so it's not exactly fast but you know what you're gonna do you can do double exposures with this can you do double exposures with your I mean, can you do any of the things i've just thought about with those no you can't we can do double exposures with this um you can it can do spot metering uh it's yeah it's the most automated thing i've ever had it's quite amazing um it's quite charming as you might expect but it fits in the hand quite nicely it's like a i suppose comparable to an slr size and weight um got a decent viewfinder on it um so you're looking through the lens obviously with the bridge cameras um and, yeah, I think this is going to be great, and it, it all seems to be working nicely. <laughs> the only thing that makes... You can, um, as I mentioned before, you can focus it yourself, and I'm going to see if I can bring up the power focusing. Hang on a second. The, the, when you focus it yourself, it sounds real bad. That's a really kind of horrible, grindy noise. Um, but, uh, you know, that aside, um, it's great. Really great. And I'm hoping that he's going to fit all the bills really well. Um, It's a bit cumbersome for street photography. It's not exactly discreet, but it is black, so that's pretty snappy. And it's got Olympus on the front, and everybody loves Olympus. If it's the one that
0: I'm currently looking at on the internet, it's a a hell of an ugly camera. (laughs)
1: Look, I'm not going to say that stylistically it's the most beautiful thing, because this... Telephoto lens thing on the front is quite a conk on it, um, but all right, it's not ugly. It's just long in the nose, and um, yeah, it, it's pretty swish. But the thing with the bridge cameras is, is that they get no love whatsoever because they they fall between those two sort of schools of. They're not point and shoots. They don't have the convenience of the quick grab and go point and shoots, but they also don't have the flexibility. Of an SLR, you can't change the lenses on them. You can't do anything like that. But for this situation, these are the perfect weapons. I'm hoping it's going to give me all the flexibility I need. I mean, admittedly, I wish it was a little bit wider at the wide end. 35 is not that wide for um, doing landscapes, really. But you know, it's it's better than not at all. Um, and I wish it was a little bit quicker. But this was actually, they made quite a few of these bridge cameras, and the IS-1 or IS-1000 was their higher-end bridge camera. Uh, Oh, I'm very glad to hear it. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, So, yeah, I I trust you are suitably awed and impressed. I
0: I speechless mate speechless I, I, well done on buying one of the ugliest cameras that, that has ever been made
1: listen looks aren't everything it's all about the pictures well, you would know
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, my camera also cost me including postage I think £15.50. So, so we're pretty myself. much mine cost about five
0: pence more than that. So so that's actually in economic terms. We've got quite a battle on here because actually we both paid exactly the same amount of money.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's got, uh, I, I'm feeling pretty good about my purchase. It's all working. It came with that. Uh, it's even got a strap, lovely strap to go around my neck. I, I'm not going to try and clip mine onto my pocket because that'll just rip my pocket off any shirt that I'm wearing, obviously. But, yeah, it's good. If you look at that's pure quality, that is. Pure quality. Books. It's got an ED, high-resolution lens. These pictures are going to be so sharp, you'll cut yourself when you look at them. So, mm. Well, yes. I look
0: forward to that, then. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, so I'm going to get some builds there. I can appreciate, then, having now had a How bit of a rundown what you've actually acquired for this challenge. I can appreciate where your smugness comes from.
1: <laughs> oh that's just inherent.
0: <laughs>
1: well yeah, yeah, clearly.
0: <laughs> but, you know, you seem to have, you know, made a concerted effort to buy, yeah, a solid all rounder. Um, I'm quite Amused by when you when you do the pop-up flash, it actually has two little flash units. That's quite that's it's quite weird, about. isn't it? I don't think I've ever seen it that before ever. So that's quite intriguing in itself. Um, but
1: bring it on! Yeah, it's going to be good. So I'm I think uh, I think the film I'm going to go with. Because um, luckily I have somebody nearby who sells film, sells. Cause it's, it's street photography, so I'm going to go black and white because that's the colour of the streets, baby. Um, and also I've just shot so much cheap colour film over the last month, I need a break from that. Um,
0: <laughs> have you hit some sort of saturation point?
1: <laughs> I, I've literally hit saturation point. Yeah, I've just all those saturated images. Um, so I might go with because I've not shot any before. Um, I've got a roll in one of my. I think I've clicked one shot through uh, the Elford Pan f50 I have you ever shot that oh age? that's
0: beautiful that is yeah yeah it's really good it's not not exactly an indoor film but uh no, it, especially it's, not with
1: slow glass but
0: no it's it's really nice actually you'll you'll enjoy that definitely
1: yeah so i'm i'm actually quite it is a big bulky camera for me to take out um it is and getting used to the clunky autofocus and stuff like that but yeah it's gonna be fun i'm, I'm looking forward to having a and yeah, it, it it was interesting actually just to look and go. Oh yeah, bridge cameras because it feels like bridge cameras came into their own a bit more with digital cameras. There seem to be a lot of digital bridge cameras around for a while, or maybe that was just my perception. But no, I think you're right. I think you're right. But the um the the film bridge cameras get no love whatsoever. Um, so I'm hoping to rectify that and take this little. But ugly funster out, and now I just need to find some time to go to a street somewhere and take some pictures. That's going to be far more difficult. Mm, possibly.
0: Maybe you should get some city based clients for work, then you can find some.
1: That's not a bad idea. Although, technically, I'm supposed to be working when I'm at my clients, although that rarely actually happens. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, those flowers need photographs taking, don't they? They've got to keep their portfolio up to date. <laughs> <laughs>
1: a lot of them have got modelling jobs coming up. But I'm doing them a big favour.
0: <laughs> OK, cool. All right, so there we go. That sets the scene for the cheap shot challenge. I'm not sure we set any timescales for this, um, but given that I'm going to wait until my film arrives from Hong Kong by boat... <laughs> Well, I mean, we, we might you know, we, have to be a bit relaxed about it. Uh,
1: well, I mean, we said about a month. We said about a month for this first uh, first one. And the good thing is, at least you'll have rolls of film ready and backup for in future. But uh, I think we will talk about about four weeks. So we're on uh, which episode is this? <laughs> episode? This seven? is episode seven, mate. Yeah. So seven. Mm-hmm. So I reckon we'll be looking at you know drawing the line underneath this first instalment at uh, episode ten, episode eleven, I would guess.
0: Okay, well, let's see where we get to. I will do my very best. I am slightly dependent upon the film arriving.
1: (laughs) I want to hear your excuses, eh? I don't know. That that is going to be the least of your problems. You enjoy it whilst that film's in Hong Kong because that's the best that's ever going to get for you. Um, (laughs) This really is bringing out your Larry side, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I like a competition that I know I'm going to win. All
0: right, well there we go. So you heard it here first folks. Graham is not quietly confident that he is going
1: to win. <laughs> Uh, I think anybody who's listened to this knows who's going to win. But also, if anybody's listened to this, um joining in, then please, yeah, do and, and let us know what you're finding. Or uh, just let us know what you think we should have got. If you think that we both made catastrophic errors instead of just Aid making a catastrophic error, then let us know what we <laughs> should have gone with. Uh, I'd really like to hear.
0: <laughs> cool. All right. Time to move on then. Yep. Okay, so I think uh, it's time for the shout-outs phase, isn't it? So I know you've been talking with a whole bunch of people on Instagram this week.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to point people towards a few Instagram accounts that I've been enjoying. We follow quite a lot of people, and it's continuously getting added to, actually, as I come across more and more people. Certainly, if you're listening to this and you're on Instagram, um, do hit me up and let me know, because I love seeing everybody's photos on there. I find it really inspirational. Ones that have caught my attention in the last week in particular uh, is um, Neil underscore Piper. That's N-E-I-L underscore P-I-P-E-R. He's been doing all sorts of um, interesting pictures. What particularly caught my eye on him, he'd he'd been doing some uh, nighttime shots with film, which is something I'm always very drawn to. I I like night photography, but I've never tried doing it with film uh, because I'm a coward. And it's like I really want to, uh, I need to get, I've been looking at a new light meter this week for doing real low light stuff, but it's 400 and something pounds. Course, and that's not going to happen. true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but also, whilst looking at his work, I went to his website, which is www.neilpiper.com, and he's got a lot of really interesting images. He's either he's part of uh car restoration and modding community or just friends with people within it, but lots of um, pictures of people doing that. And I love these little insights into a completely alien world, so that's definitely worth a look. Um, another Instagram user, pinhole cannon, uh, cannon with just one end. Well, ends, but one end in the middle. You, you know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> pin, you mean pin,
0: like the camera company rather than like the gun?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although his name, I think, is spelt like the gun. Anyway, bizarre. But um, pinhole cannon, it, as his name would suggest. Lots of pinhole photography, and I love it. Lots of really great shots. And what I particularly like about it is that he's almost using his pinhole like a point and shoot, he's taking it, it just seems to be in his pocket the whole time. Um, so he's that sort of picture he put up the day where he's got his kids in the car and he's put his pinhole camera in the front footwell and taking a picture back up through, and just Lots of other more dramatic and exciting photos, but just the fact that he's always got it with him and he's always taking, and he gets really lovely results with it, and he's using filters and stuff with it as well. uh, Ended up with me looking at uh, more pinhole cameras online, and he uses a a brand of pinhole called uh, Reality So Subtle, which is made by uh, a gentleman I think over in France, and I was looking at his website. I actually think uh Dave bought some pre drilled pinholes from that guy before, and you know he makes some really nice pinhole cameras there and uh, so I found pinhole cannons great if you want to see some really nice interesting pinhole shots and Finally, for this week, this was a bit of a long one for an instagram feed um Adam j Smith photography this caught my eye in the last couple of days um it's primarily landscape photography he's an australia based photographer and he's taking these beautiful medium format landscapes on uh, velvia 50 so you're getting these lovely saturated images and slide film is notoriously difficult to nail exposure on you have to be really accurate and he's just doing such a beautiful job he's taken some pictures in caves out into the sunlight and all this and just lovely images of beautiful parts of the country Uh, he has a website as well this his website, I don't know how he got this web address. It's www.adam.gallery. Wow, that's a great that's website. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, but yes, if you, if you like landscape photography and you like australian scenery a great place to go to I, I did ask him if he'd adopt me so i could go <laughs> enjoy his scenery until he <laughs> talked to his wife about it but i to be honest i don't think he's going to i think he was just stringing me along um <laughs> so really, yeah 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 you, you have to ask you know oh, yeah, um, i suppose so yeah 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 also the other thing i found out from looking at his website was he's got a really good moustache so just bear that in mind looking at his pictures um so, yeah, those are, the, those are the things that particularly caught my attention uh, this week. But um, I see a lot of really great stuff. And please, and if you are on Instagram, do just give us a shout on there. We're 16 Podcasts on Instagram. And just say hello. And I love getting into conversations with people. And I love seeing what people are doing. So make yourself known to us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And uh, of course, we're also sunny16podcast on Twitter, which is where I've been hanging out for our social networking. Uh, and uh, I've had uh, a few interesting uh, conversations with people around photographs that they've taken and posted and, you know, trying to make sure that uh, we are present and correct for the various conversations around film photography in, on Twitter uh, I've seen quite a few interesting things around uh, Impossible Project film actually it's quite a conversation around you know it, it's a bit broader I suppose rather than one to one on Twitter it's a different, different kind of network I guess but uh, quite a lot of conversation about Impossible Film and quite a lot of uh, conversation around 35 mil as well actually uh, and people who were making a real effort to to share 35 mil photography so i'm participating in that and yeah please do come along say hello at sunny 16 podcast on twitter and of course you know also uh sunny 16 podcast on Flickr and sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com if you fancy getting in touch and sending us an email it's uh, this-
1: It's quite a good breakdown now, isn't it? If people want intelligent conversation about photography, they can track you down on Twitter. And if people want really bad puns, they can find me on Instagram. This is the two (laughs) flavours of sixteen podcasts podcast you'll get. Uh, If ever you're not sure which of the two of us you're talking to, is there a bad pun? If so, it's probably me.
0: (laughs) Cool. Okay. Right. Well, it's also about this time of day that we like to say a big thank you to chris at pixelatedphotographer.com for all his tech support to this project uh, for hosting uh, the podcast and uh, for hosting the longer form conversation uh, around the forums on pixelatedphotographer.com so please go and uh, catch up with us there uh, we also like to say a big thank you to Kevin McLeod, whose music, Honeybee, uh, shared under a Creative Commons licence, is threaded throughout this podcast, and you can find him at incompetech.com.
1: One last thing before you completely wrap it up. Um, I just want to say a, a big thank you to um, Ian K, uh, Kid Lombo for leaving us an iTunes review. Um, thanks, Ian, for... For listening to, to our plea, um, and Ian K is one of the, the pixelated photographer forum members, and he also has a website uh, which is worth the visit, iankphotography.com. That's Ian with two eyes. It's people with weirdly spelled names, um, but Ian does a lot of well. Actually, not so much lately. We're hoping that he gets his ass back in gear and does more. But um, does a lot of nice, interesting alternative technique. Uh, work as well, so he does darkroom printing and stuff like bromoil and other things I don't understand as well, so um, check his stuff out, it's great
0: Okay, well that's brilliant, Um, as ever it is a joy, a privilege and an honour to talk to you Graham Uh, especially when we get to ramble about film photography for the benefit of other people, we'll be back next week, Uh, thank you and goodbye
1: Bye I can't believe you bought a 110 camera. (laughs) What on earth are you thinking of?
0: (laughs) We will see.